Welcome to the You're Not Alone podcast, where we want you to find hope and encouragement from real people sharing their real stories. So here we go with your weekly dose of real talk, girl chat, and good vibes. Hi friends, Lauren Angler, a certified pediatric sleep consultant from viagraces.com is on episode 41. She is a priceless resource for parents and kids alike. The passion that she has helping parents is abundant and you'll learn so much from today's chat, like how Lauren became a sleep consultant, setting sleep expectations and routines, listeners' questions are answered, and more. To find out more about Lauren's services and a free discovery call, you can visit our site, you'renotalonepodcast.com, to find the link. We are so thankful that you came on the show today, Lauren. Here we go. Okay, everybody, I have Lauren Engler on today's episode, and she is a fabulous sleep consultant, and I am so excited. I wish, Lauren, that I got to speak with you when I had newborns so that I could start the sleep habits outright, but I've already learned so much from your Instagram, and I love that you do ABCs of sleep. So will you tell us a little bit about who you are, your family, and then um, just how you got involved in being a sleep consultant? Of course. Um, so yeah, like you said, my name is Lauren. Um, I grew up in Ohio. Um, and then when I graduated from school, um, Penn State University, give a little shout out. Yes. I'm um, overseas to Thailand for a couple years as a teacher. Um, and that is where I met my Canadian hubby, Jason. Mm-hmm. So we got married, we moved to Virginia um, because we could kind of just to start a new little adventure um, just outside of DC, which is where we still are now. Um, We've got two sweet girls, Olivia and Avery. Olivia is two and a half years old right now, and we are in full toddler mode. So it is fun when it is fun, and it is challenging when it is challenging. Um, Avery is four and a half months old right now. So in just a super sweet age where she's smiling and giggling and cooing and really responsive to all of us. So it's it's been a really sweet time, especially to see the girls um, bonding together. Um, I was a teacher for about seven years, so I taught um, kindergarten, first grade, and second grade, and I love, love, love teaching, but um, I've stepped away from the classroom to be home with my girls more and um, to help other families get sleep because um, I had a really difficult time with my Olivia, she's my two and a half year old, with sleep. So my business name is actually Via Graces because my daughter is Olivia Grace. Uh, so oh, I named it after okay. her yes. um, because she is the reason that I am doing this. And I think parenting is hard and parenting can be really isolating. And we're making a million choices all day long. And we need to give ourselves and our spouses and our kiddos so much grace. So it was fitting to make make this business via graces. Olivia was thankfully and somehow magically a great sleeper as a newborn. I don't think it was because of anything we did. She just um, was one of those newborns who loved to sleep. But um, I'm not sure if you as a mama have heard of the four-month sleep regression. Oh, yes. Familiar. When we, when we hit that, we hit it hard. And it lasted, I say, until she was 10 months old because mm-hmm. we had no clue um, how to respond to it. We didn't know the changes we needed to make. And um, I was back at school and we were exhausted. And so she would wake up in the middle of the night. I'd scoop her up, nurse her, put her right back down. And from about four to 10 months old, she would do that anywhere from probably four to seven times a night. We were just on repeat. We were in survival mode, and that was the only thing we knew to do. We knew that it didn't have to be that way, but we did not know how to get on the other side of it. Um, And so it wasn't until she was 10 months old, and it was summer break, and I said, listen, I've had enough. I've had enough um, interrupted sleep. I need consistent sleep again. She Mm -hmm. needs consistent sleep again. This cannot be good for my baby. So we um, were able to make a plan, and um, it just took three days, and she was actually sleeping 
through the night, which was a, a total game changer. Oh, for were you like, what? Why? Yeah, I, I think she was, she was so ready for it. Right. Yes. She just, we needed, we needed to do it. And we, um, yeah, it was a game changer for our marriage, for my friendships, for mm-hmm. our parenting and just, um, yes, yeah, it's amazing how great you can feel when you're actually getting good sleep again. Oh my goodness. I'm, Yes. I love every bit of this. So I love that you're a teacher and now you're able to use that talent and that gift to teach others in a different light. Um, I think that's awesome to hear. Also love to hear you say like, we just didn't know what we didn't know. And we're, we were able to change one thing and it impacted every area of your life. And I think that's why, you know, one of the reasons why sleep is so important to all of us, because if we're happy and our baby's happy, life can just be a little bit easier. So can you tell us, you know, what you found and why you found out that sleep is so important and just, you know, saying, Hey, enough is enough and set up these routines. Can you tell us a little bit about just sleep in general and why it is important to take note of these things? Absolutely. Um, I think the the biggest thing um, that I learned that even just changed my um, my mindset towards sleep is um, a little little fun fact is that um, you and me both as adults and so our kiddos as well um, as we're sleeping and slipping in and out of sleep cycles um, we actually wake up several times throughout the night so you know when we actually say sleeping through the night we're not actually sleeping through the night we all wake up several times but um, you and I as independent sleepers are usually not aware that we're waking up several times a okay. night. So we kind of slip out of one sleep cycle, wake up a little bit, but we know how to slip right back into the next one without remembering. Um, so the, the thing with our babies is, is when they um, go to sleep at night. So for Olivia, we were nursing her to sleep, rocking to sleep, doing anything we could to help her fall asleep. But so when she would wake up in those natural Um, stages, she was looking for the same thing that helped her get to sleep the first time. She was not able to roll right back into sleep herself. Oh, okay. When I, when I learned that I was like, right, she can't be hungry. I have fed her six times right now (laughs) well during the day, but, but she seems to need food. Maybe she's in a, maybe she's in a growth spurt or she's teething. You know, we would pull out Mm -hmm, every excuse mm -hmm. possible, but, but learning that, um, yeah, learning that, no, I'm waking up naturally, she's waking up naturally, but because she does not have those skills to fall back asleep, um, she needs me. And so um, once I learned that it was something that I could teach her um, and it was was a natural part of um, learning to sleep, like I said, it just took three days and she was able to do it herself. And so that, even just that mindset shift of um, going from she needs me to, no, right, I'm a teacher and I'm her first teacher. I'm her mom. I get to teach her how to do this on her own, um, which was which was amazing because even um, for kids especially, you know, I'm a pediatric sleep consultant, so I, I can have a couple tips for adults, but I focus in on um, kind of that zero to 12 years of age. Mm-hmm. But um, just the the physical restoration that sleep provides for kiddos how much it boosts their immune system, especially in this, you know, cold and flu season that seems to never end. Um, yes. It helps work on, you know, their memory, their organization. So kiddos who are in school, um, that sleep is, yeah, crucial for for what they're learning on the day-to-day so they can um, kind of reorganize that in their minds at night, um, giving them energy, helping them grow. So when I, there are a couple of families that I've worked with who, um, I usually work with families for two to three weeks. And okay. um, at the end of our time together, we, of course, you know, celebrate all the, all the great things that, um, that has, that's changed in their family now due to sleep. And, um, what's really cool is usually about two or three weeks after we've wrapped up our time together. So maybe a month or so after we started, I'll have a couple of families reach out and say, Lauren, you'll never believe it. But, um, you know, my son just grew two inches in the last month. How could that happen? And, 
I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm actually not surprised because he's mm -hmm. getting the sleep that he needs for his body to restore and to actually physically grow. Or some parents will say, you know, my, my toddler was only speaking one or two word sentences and now he's speaking three or four word sentences. And, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's awesome. And that's because of sleep. You know, their, their brains and their bodies are actually able to go through the full restoration um, that, that they just weren't able to get before. Um, or, you know, my, my whole house was just sick. So we're finally coming out of it in the last week or so. And um, the fact that my girls could sleep, that they could take naps and that they could sleep during the night, that I was able to sleep during the night um, was just a total game changer for us. And I'm trying to get healthier. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Knowing, knowing the importance of sleep for our kiddos and knowing that there are actually things that we can do to help them get there um, was a game changer for us with our toddler and has been great with our, um, with our now baby, making sure she has those skills so she can get exactly what she needs from her sleep. I love to hear all of these things. Thank you for sharing that insight of just knowing that sleep is so important. And it's something that as adults, sometimes we just overlook. So it's good for me to hear that as well of we need the sleep and the waking patterns. That is so interesting. So thank mm -hmm. you for sharing that fact as well. Um, cause I know I will wake up and sometimes I can register and sometimes I don't, like you yep. said, and we can get ourselves back to sleep. I love that mm -hmm. fact. The reason why I wanted to have you on is because our podcast is so focused on helping other people feel connected and knowing that other people are going through hard things as well. And one of the hard things that I struggled with is, is sleep. Like my son, like you said, your, your um, firstborn, she was sleeping great. Well, my son, he slept great. He was an awesome sleeper. When I had my second and my daughter, she is still, she'll wake up. You know, we've still had to say, Hey, you can go back to sleep. You can do these things and redirect her good practices, like having them in their bed and that type of thing. But I think what made me feel so alone was that I was here in the middle of the night, you know, nursing this baby, you know, yes. like you said, the fourth or six or whatever time yes. trying to get her to sleep and thinking, gosh, I'm doing something wrong. And surely no one else is out there struggling with this same thing. And so I wanted to have you on so that you can, you know, help people say, no, people are struggling, but there are ways that you can, you know, fix that and get around it so that you can get sleep. So what would you say to that parent? Who's just wishing that their baby would sleep so you yes. can get some rest? Yes, that's a great question. Uh, first, I, I would just say, I when I talk to my families, I just say, um, first of all, you are the best parent for your baby. You know, a lot of parents will think like, I'm just, I'm not doing it right. I can't do anything right. And it's so easy to get into that, um, yeah, just that zone of we're just so inwardly focused on all the things we're doing wrong. And um, so my, my first piece of advice is that you are the best parent for your baby. And there is so, so, so much grace again, right? Via graces. Um, our kiddos give us much more grace than we probably deserve, but that's the great thing about kids. Um, but yeah, we were, we were chosen to be the parents of our, of our kids for a reason. And so first, just even in the, the hardest and most challenging um, places of parenthood and specifically sleep. Um, yeah, I just want to encourage any parent listening that you are the best, you're the best parent for your baby right now. Um, so yeah, that baby is very blessed to have you as their parent. Um, the second thing I would say is, um, you know, for those, for those newborn parents, newborns are newborns. So yes, there are absolutely skills we can start teaching. Um, when I work with families of newborns, they say there, are, there are things you can start from day one, actually in the hospital to help, um, encourage healthy sleep habits in your newborn. But all that to say, newborns are newborns. They're still going to wake up several times a night. They have their days and their nights flip flops. Um, 
you know, they, they want to be held because they've just been so warm and, you know, cozy inside their mom for nine months. So um, newborn parents, yes, there are things you can do, but also um, you're going to have sleepless nights because that's, that's parenthood. That's the newborn life. But um, I want to encourage those parents that um, you're not alone and you don't have to do it alone. Like this podcast says, right? You're not alone. Right. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for help. So whether that's, you know, to your spouse, hey, can you please just change her diaper and hand her to me so I don't have to get out of bed one more time? Or, you know, your mom is in town. Mom, can you please hold her? Do whatever you need to do for two hours so that I can just sleep. Or, you know, hey, neighbor, can you please just move the laundry from the washer to the dryer? Can you do the dishes? Um, don't be afraid to ask for help because people want to, um, and they want to, yeah, join you in this journey, but we don't always know how. So, um, yeah, my second piece of advice would just be, you're not alone and, and people really want to reach out and help you in, um, yeah, whether it's newborn or even in those toddler years, Hey, can you please just take my toddler for two hours so I can get something done? Um, people would love to help you with that. Um, and then thirdly is I'll see, you know, all over, you know, Facebook and Instagram and just in conversations at the playground of, um, you know, to the expectant mom who's having her first child, like, well, get all the sleep now because you're never going to sleep again. Right, or, right. you know, I've, I've not slept in 10 years. So I'm not going <laughs> to sleep again until they're out of the house in college. And then someone pipes in like, you're not even going to sleep then because you're yes. thinking about them. Um, I feel like that's such a, I mean, that's what everyone talks about because, mm -hmm. you know, to so many people, parenthood equals sleepless nights and, you know, challenges forevermore. And, um, you know, sure, again, newborn stage, we are, we're not going to sleep all the time because that's, that's just the name of the game with newborns. But um, it does not have to be that way forever. So a lot of parents just think, well, my baby will sleep when they're ready to sleep. And if that's at three months or 10 months or three years old or six years old, you know, we'll figure it out eventually. Um, but yeah, I'm here to say that that it does not have to be a guessing game like that. Um, teaching, teaching kiddos to sleep is actually, it's a skill, right? We can teach them. Um, some kids are, are naturally better sleepers. So I've had friends who I am jealous of because they really didn't have to do much and their child just slept and has been that yes. way ever since. And, mm -hmm. um, that's certainly the case for some people. So if that's you, awesome. I wish that that was the case for more kiddos, but unfortunately it's not. So if you're part of the, um, the majority of parents whose kiddos just can't seem to figure out sleep by themselves, um, there are, there are very practical things you can do to get you and your family sleeping so it's it does not have to be this way forever um you can get back to sleep both for your kids and for you that is so encouraging to hear all of that to just know hey you're not alone there's other people out there that are going through this but there are solutions mm -hmm. and you can ask for help which is so important in any situation where we yeah. feel isolated or alone but especially here where we're we're parents and we, we it's so good when people come together as a team and just cheer each other on and say hey this is something that I've done and this can help you too mm -hmm. so thank you for sharing that from your Instagram and blog, from your Instagram, really, I have found so many great practices that you have listed out for infants, toddlers. You do this little thing called the ABCs, which I love. It's so organized. <laughs> and I now connecting the dots with you being a teacher before exactly. I'm like, oh I my gosh, it. <laughs> it's so perfect. So can you give us some top tips for maybe some of those different groups of maybe just one top tip that you would say could impact a lot? And I know that's a loaded question because there's you know, different situations, but is there any commonalities that you see? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, I was thinking about this and kind of breaking it down for my, my newborns, babies, and then toddlers of older kiddos, because there's so much, even just developmentally, 
um, that changes for those for, for kids as they grow older. Um, so newborns and we can't, you know, we can't sleep train a newborn. They don't have those skills yet, but we can absolutely instill um, healthy habits with them and we can um, learn about their sleep to better help them get that sleep. So um, when I say newborn, I'm talking kind of the zero to three month window. Um, I think the the biggest piece of advice for newborn parents is to understand awake windows. So I did not understand awake windows at all. Um, I don't think I I don't think I ever really understood awake windows until I was a sleep consultant. Um, but essentially, the, your your child's awake window is from the moment they wake up from their nap until the next time they go to sleep um, for their next nap or for nighttime. And for a newborn, um, in those first six weeks, they can't handle more than 45 to 60 minutes awake, which seems like nothing. And it, it, it is a really small amount of time. Mm -hmm. But much over 60 minutes, we're going to start hearing the crying, the crankiness, they're going to be rubbing their eyes, arching their back, because we are starting to get into that overtired territory, which makes falling asleep and staying asleep so, so, so hard. And so when I, when I have friends who have newborns and, you know, when I um, work with families of newborns and, you know, they say, my baby's just crying all hours of the night or, um, you know, colicky babies, I think no one really knows what, what colic is and where it comes from. But I've seen a lot of babies who um, display symptoms of colic um, get a lot more um, calm, and those symptoms seem to go away a lot more once once we understand those awake windows and and babies needs to sleep often. Um, you know, a lot of people will say like she doesn't look tired, but she's still smiling. And and you know, at Christmas time with my newborn, you know, it'd be um, about seventy minutes, and I would be taking her upstairs. And my family would say, but look, she's still smiling. Right. And she's talking to me. <laughs> They're like, let well, me hold her. Exactly. Yes. Um, you know, wasn't she just sleeping? Like, yes, she was just sleeping and she is still smiling now. But if you saw her in 10 minutes, it would be a different story. And so mm -hmm. we're going to, you know, we're going to catch this before it becomes overtired. And so, um, yeah, for that newborn window, especially awake windows are so key, whether or not we're putting our child, you know, in their crib or their bassinet to sleep or putting them in the carrier, but essentially giving our, our newborns the opportunity to sleep about every 45 to 60 minutes um, so that they're able, again, to get that restorative sleep and be ready for their next little wake window is um, super crucial for newborns. Once you saw that um, just awake window and you were trained in it, has it, have you been able to spot it so easy or oh. is it, you know, yeah. like, is that a game changer or what? Yeah. It's a life changer, even for, um, so I've, you know, I've got someone watching my girls right now, so I can chat with you without some toddler voices yes. and things in the background. And even, you know, I just, I wrote down, hey, she woke up at 7.30, uh, she needs to go down at nine o'clock, where okay. with, my, with my toddler, so two years ago, I would say, she woke up at this time, um, just look for her to yawn and maybe rub mm -hmm. her eyes three times and then rock her and bounce on a yoga ball, just Good right. luck. Do whatever you need to <laughs> stand do on one foot. And right. And yes. you know, like just so you know, she might not sleep for you, but please try. You know, that mm -hmm. would just be that would be all I could tell them. We're here. I said, okay, she woke up at 7:30. You know, she's gonna go down at nine. So put her in her sleep sack, sing Jesus Loves Me, and lay her down, and I know she'll fall asleep. Yes. Um, yes. which makes me as a mom, I'm comfortable walking away knowing that she's gonna sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable. I'm asking a caregiver to come into this, you know, instead of saying, well, you might be stuck for an hour holding my child or um, yes. fighting her to sleep. I, I know that the caregiver will be comfortable and that my toddler then can play without having to, um, you know, focus the entire day or, you know, hour or two around 
per sleep. So that has been a, a total game changer for us. That is awesome. And then, so babies and even that, so my, my newborn's not such a newborn anymore because she's four and a half months now. So awake windows are still really, really important. So any baby I work with, we're still trying to find that perfect awake window where we start really getting into um, understanding of how to help our children fall asleep is trying to find um, what the sleep prop is. So a sleep prop is really anything outside of the child that they need to fall asleep. So the most common ones would be, you know, nursing, bottle feeding, rocking, padding, shushing, a pacifier, anything that we have to do or give our child to help them fall asleep is a sleep prop. And like I mentioned earlier, as we naturally wake up, as we slip in and out of those sleep cycles, um, if we had some sort of prop helping us to get to sleep the first time, as soon as we wake up, we're looking for that same prop to get back to sleep. So um, for those babies, especially, and, you know, I'm considering that the four month to 17 month window, um, we're really trying to find, okay, what is the prop that this baby is relying on? And how can we take that prop away to make sure that the way they're getting to bed initially is independent? So as they wake up, um, they won't even, they'll be able to fall right back asleep. And um, the reason that's at four months and, you know, the dreaded four month regression is actually because our, our babies are going through an actual physical change in their bodies. They're no longer um, having those little two newborn sleep cycles. They're having four adult like cycles like you and me, um, which is why which is why baby sleep usually gets so disturbed because their their sleep is actually physically changing. And um, parents dread the four month regression if they've heard of it. But the the exciting thing is, is by four months now, because they have adult-like cycles, they're ready to learn to self-soothe. So their sleep can get really dicey, but they're also um, in a place where they can learn how to fall asleep independently. And so we want to make sure for those babies that we're figuring out, you know, what are the props that they're relying on and how can we take those away so that um, when they're ready, and some babies are ready at four months to sleep through the night without a feed, I, I don't expect that because they're still so young. Um, but by six months of age, unless there's really a medical reason why they um, need to eat during the night, most six months old who um, have those independent sleep skills are able to sleep through the night, which is um, which is exciting. And I so wish that I would have known all these things for my my firstborn, so we didn't have to wait till she was ten months old. That is so good, so encouraging. What mm-hmm. would you say? Anything for toddlers? Yes. Um, toddlers and older children, I will say they, um, I mean, just their age group in general, right during the day, they are um, so, so fun and so, so challenging. Um, <laughs> yes. So for toddlers and even older children, I just got done working with a six and eight year old. And so um, parents of older kiddos, you you are not past the point of no return. Your child can still become a good sleeper. Um, but the biggest thing with those older kiddos is consistent expectations. So um, we'll actually you know, depending on the age of the child and um, especially with those toddlers who start communicating more, we'll make little bedtime rules. So what are the rules around bedtime? Um, Kind of here's the expectation and um, the parents need to know the expectation. The child needs to know the expectation. And, um, you know, just like just like parenting during a day or, you know, again, my teacher self, we have we have these expectations and um, we can get rewards for following the expectations. There might be some consequences for not meeting those expectations. And so, it's super important for those older kids to know to know what their boundaries are and to know what will happen as they stay within those boundaries and um, you know try to push those boundaries a bit. Um, yes. 
I was I was thinking about this the other day because we're um, we just moved into a basement apartment with a family we're good friends with, and mm-hmm. they have a big trampoline in their backyard, which is my toddler's favorite thing in the whole world right now. Um, <laughs> and they have they have that netting around the trampoline, so you know you you don't fall off and break yes. your arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so interesting because my toddler first jumped on a trampoline this past summer, and it did not have a net around it. And she, granted, she was younger, but she stayed in the middle of the trampoline and you know had the smallest little jumps and she did not come anywhere near the edge which i mean made my mama heart yes feel, feel good knowing that she was safe um but she did not want to move from the middle of that trampoline where now with the netting around this one she owns the entire trampoline i mean she <laughs> is like bouncing wall to wall and somersaults and jumping and you know the big kids are trying cool tricks and she's trying to match them and i think again my the teacher part of me and now a sleep consultant thinking about working with older kids is she she knows where that boundary line is and she knows that she's safe within it so if she hits that wall she knows she's going to come bouncing right back and so it gives her more freedom and more um security knowing where those boundary lines are and i think for toddlers and older kids when it comes to sleep um, and and life in general, for them to to know the expectations and know where the boundaries are gives them that much more security and safety to, um, you know, to be silly during their bedtime routine. I love when kids are silly during their bedtime routine because they know they know how far they can go and they know when the lights are out, they know mm-hmm. what that means. And so having, having that consistency and those boundaries is, um, you know, not only important to help, you know, quote unquote, sleep train them, but to give them that that safety and security that they need to be able to sleep well throughout the night. That is a fantastic analogy. I love the trampoline. Now I'm going to think of that every time. I mean, <laughs> it applies to so many, like so many areas, like you said, yes. they know their boundaries, they can explore and learn, but no, you know, when lights out, light, lights yes. are out. Mm-hmm. What do you think the greatest challenge is for parents and children while you're sleep training? Can you give any advice into that? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Probably again, like the consistency I was talking about, I think um, for for me and my husband, when we had Olivia and we were trying to figure out how to get her to sleep, I think the biggest hurdle for us was simply um, we didn't have a plan. So we just kind of, okay, well, what if we, you know, let's lay her down and we can let her cry for 10 minutes, but then we'll go get her because 10 minutes, you know, is the max or we'll let her cry for 12 minutes. But then the next day after one minute, I just couldn't handle it. And we just had no sense of, is it okay to let her cry? How long is it okay to let her cry? Can I comfort her while she cries? Well, this cry seems different than this cry. And we just had no, we had no plan. Mm -hmm. Um, We kind of made it up as we went along. And so there was no, um, again, that word consistency, I keep like, feel like I keep saying over and over again. Um, But we, my husband and I had no sort of a plan. And so um, we had nothing, nothing to stick to, nothing to come back to. And it was just kind of, um, again, that survival of however we can get her to sleep. Um, and we might try to feel like we're helping her do it on her own for five minutes, but we just, we give up. And um, as I as I went through my training program and, you know, thinking about how we initially tried to, to sleep train, having no idea what we were doing, um, thinking about really when I, when I work with families, um, I really, really focus on the child. So who is your child? Um, I I send a questionnaire to parents asking all kinds of questions of what's their temperament, what do they like to eat, what are their favorite activities, so I I really feel like I get to know them, and having a a plan for them is really what's best for the child, it's what's most fair to the child. When I think back to my, again, my daughter of, 
when we let her cry for 10 minutes one day and 12 minutes one day and only two minutes the next day, we're, we're teaching her, okay, if you just keep crying and cry harder and harder, you know, we're going to come get you or for, um, you know, parents of pacifiers, if they decide, you know, okay, we're not going to use the pacifier tonight. They hold it off until 3am and they just can't handle it anymore. So they pop the pacifier in. We're teaching our kids, you know, if you just keep waking up until 3am, I'll give you your pacifier. Or if you keep, you know, protesting, I'll cave and I'll give it to you. And it really makes it hard for the child to figure out, again, what are those boundaries, even for a baby, um, they have some sense of um, some sense of memory. And, you know, why, why do I get to nurse right away this time where at two in the morning, dad comes for 30 minutes before I get nursed. And there's just um, a lack of consistency, both for the parents and the child. So I think, um, yeah, to come back to your question, I think the greatest challenge for parents is just having some sort of plan and sticking to it consistently. The advice is once you have a plan to really to really, really stick to it for the sake of your child. So your child knows what to expect. So your child knows what to expect every time and that it's not going to change to make sure we have the quickest results. I love that. So to the person who's out there listening right now and they're like, I need a plan. That is what I need. <laughs> How can they get in touch with you? Do you do, um, I know you do, but do you do sleep consultant services virtually? So if they live in Georgia or Florida or California, can they contact you even though you're I in Virginia? Do. Yes, that's the beauty of it. Um, so I, I am able to, you know, go into families' homes if they're local. Um, but Honestly, a lot of parents prefer, um, hey, my child is napping right now. I can catch you for 20 minutes or, um, you know, I've got this hour long lunch break at work or my kids are in bed. Um, you know, you don't you don't want to have to find a sitter to talk to your sleep consultant on the phone for an hour. So yes. um, locally, even I usually work um, on the phone or over Skype with my families. And um, like I said, I, I met my husband in Thailand. And so actually one of the first families we worked with um, is in Thailand right now. So we were, you know, doing the time change to, yes. um, yeah, to make sure that we could chat and connect. And so, yeah, wherever you are, I, um, I would love to talk to you. I always start with a, a free phone call just to get a feel for the family. So the family can say, you know, oh, is Lauren a good fit for our family? Um, or, you know, if you're sitting here thinking like, maybe I need this, or is my child old enough? Or, you know, are our challenges too big or are our challenges too small? I love to connect with families um, right off the bat to just see, um, is this a good fit? You know, tell me what's going on. And I'd love to share more with you about how I can help you specifically. So yeah, I've got a website where people can reach out to me. Like you said, I, I've got an Instagram page that I'm checking frequently. I'm on Facebook. So um, parents can really get a hold of me any any avenue that that they're most comfortable with. I love that. And if you're, a, if you're a listener too, and you're like, I, I don't have a child or whatever, but you know, somebody that does just share the account. It is worth its weight in gold. You have done a fantastic <laughs> job oh, of just you. getting information out there to help people. Thank um, you. Do you have time for a couple listener questions? Of course. Okay. So one of them that I have is, um, their oldest child six is having trouble with bad dreams, disturbing his sleep. And then it's also disturbing the mom's sleep. And <laughs> she noticed that it typically happens when he might be overtired after a long week of kindergarten. I think this is his first year of kindergarten. Do you have any tips for her? Yes. And um, you can tell that this mama has done her research because even knowing that being overtired is a thing. So mama, well done on your part. You already know what you're talking about. And I, I absolutely agree. So 
Um, when we, yeah, when we notice a lot of interruptions in our kids' sleep, whether, whether they're babies or toddlers or school-aged children, when we notice a lot of disruptions early on in the night, that's almost always related to being overtired. Um, and that could come out like a nightmare. It could come out looking like a night terror, um, which is a lot scarier for families. I've thankfully never experienced that myself, but I, I know a lot of families who have, and that's, that's real. Um, and it's generally related to being overtired. So um, for your kindergartner who is exhausted after a long week, um, just like I am, Friday nights, I think, are the night I go to bed the earliest. Um, don't be afraid of an early bedtime. So a lot of parents get really worried that if they put their child to bed earlier, they're going to wake up earlier because we all know on the flip side, if we let our child stay up until 9 o'clock p.m., <laughs> right. they're still going to wake up at 630 in the morning no matter mm -hmm. what we do. Um, however, if our child is exhausted, they usually go to bed at 7.30 at night. Um, it's okay to put them to bed at 6.30 or 7, and they will likely still sleep until 6.30 or 7 in the morning, whatever time their, you know, their natural body clock wakes them up. Um, because one, their body clock is that strong that they should be able to sleep until the same time. And we just need to look at that early bedtime as making up for that lost sleep or making up for the sleep debt that is causing so much overtiredness. Yeah, when I work with families or I chat with families who are having challenge of a lot of disruptions early on in the night, um, I always say check for that overtired piece and do not be afraid to scoop bedtime, you know, 30, 40 minutes, even an hour early if that's necessary. Okay, that is great. I think she's going to love that. <laughs> so one more, if um, there's a toddler question, their toddler is waking up two or three times a night in her own bed. Um, she's just wanting to be covered up and tucked back in again. How can they help her so she doesn't continue this pattern? Yeah, good question. Um, so so my first my first question back would be, um, how is your toddler falling asleep at night? So thinking about those sleep props I talked about of um, if if your child needs needs something to fall asleep and a sleep prop could even be a parent. So if they need the parent sitting in the room or touching their back or checking in periodically before they actually fall asleep, um, that toddler's probably just waking up, again, looking for that same comfort that they needed to fall asleep in the first place. Um, if if the toddler falls asleep totally independently, parents are out of the room, um, but they're waking up wanting to be covered, I would, um, I would also wonder, does she know how to tuck herself back in? Um, so, you know, that can be, that's, that can be a tough skill to actually, you know, learn to, to sit up or roll over and grab a blanket in the dark and actually cover your whole body. Right. Um, for a toddler that, that can be really, that can be really hard. So for, um, yeah, for parents with toddlers who, who really just, they really just want the blanket back on them. Maybe they're cold or they, you know, they just can't sleep without the blanket on them. Um, I would say practice during the day so you can make a fun little game out of it of like, okay, I'm going to put the blanket on you now, kick, kick, kick it off. Close your eyes. Can you find the blanket? Can you pull it back on and, um, make a game out of learning how to put your blankets back on so that, you know, next time they wake up wanting to be covered, you know, the parent might have to come to the room, but say, you know, remember, we practice this, show me how you cover yourself with a blanket. Um, so that it's not a, it's not a matter of I can't do it. Um, it's more of a, oh, right, this is something I can do independently. I don't need to ask for help. Um, yes, and it's and fun. If, you make it fun. That yeah, sounds great. Totally, totally. And if it's, uh, you know, she's waking up and she's actually cold, um, I'm a huge fan of sleep sacks. So a lot of people think of sleep sacks, you know, just kind of for that um, newborn and baby range. But my two and a half year old is still wearing a sleep sack because she she just kicks blankets off. And for me, I don't want to worry if she's cold or not. And so 
Um, she still sleeps in a little sleep sack, so I know that she's warm. I know that it's not going to come off. And um, because she has had one for her whole life, I think it's actually more of a like a comfort device, almost like a little lovey for her attached to her body. Yeah. Um, so I am a I'm a big fan of sleep sacks too. The way that I found your through somebody saying something about a sleep sack um, oh, yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I shared it. Yeah. Maybe that's it. it's coming back to me. Okay, <laughs> I have one more question. I just got this one. So it's a two month old. And she's asking how to get the baby to stay asleep after laying them down. Um, she says she rocks them, but it seems like the baby always wakes up at least once and she has to be rocked back to sleep. And you may have answered this from your previous um, talking about newborns and sleep props, but at mm. two months old, what would you say? Yeah. So um, at two months old, she's still in that newborn window. So again, we can't, you know, we can't quote unquote sleep train, um, but there, yeah, there are so many things we can do um, to help our newborns fall asleep. So I love the phrase drowsy, but awake. Um, that is one of the things I actually did know when my, when my oldest was a newborn. So when we are working with newborns, it's okay to help them get to that place of drowsy. So when we see them you know, really staring off into the distance mm -hmm. or even um, I would watch for my daughter's eyes to get heavy and start, you know, kind of closing a little bit. That's a really good time to put them down because they're, they're sleepy enough that they're likely just going to slip right into sleep, but they're still semi-conscious. And so it's, it's almost like teaching them or practicing having them falling asleep independently, even though we've helped them get much of the way there. Um, so helping our, our newborns learn how to go down drowsy but awake is really helpful so that they're not, you know, the tricky part is if they're fully asleep, if we've nursed them and then, you know, burped them and rocked them, we put them down fully asleep, they're going to wake up wondering why they're no longer in the comfort of mom or dad's arms. And so um, the more that we can help them fall asleep, you know, quote unquote, independently in their bed will help them so that if they, you know, if they do wiggle or stir or, you know, newborns have that natural startle reflex, if they do stir a little bit, they will remember, oh, wait, but I was in this bed when I fell asleep. And so it's more comforting to them. And as a two month old, I would wonder if, um, if the baby is still swaddled or not. So swaddling is super, super key in the newborn world. Um, I do suggest that around like eight weeks at the earliest, 12 weeks at the latest, that the swaddle be dropped. Um, but if this baby is a is like a young two-month-old, um, the swaddle could still be helpful for helping him or her not um, startle as much. And then I do want to add too with a drowsy but awake for, for those listening who have a six-month-old, drowsy but awake is not for you. Um, so, so that drowsy stage is really helpful for the newborns. But um, once we reach four months old, and, and this is what we did not know with my daughter, and so through 10 months old, we tried to put her down drowsy, but now as, as a four-month-old and older, the first stage of sleep is drowsy. So if, if you can picture yourself as an adult, you're laying in bed, you're, you know, you're starting to doze and your phone buzzes, you're fully aware that your phone buzzes, but it kind of, it startles you, you kind of jump or, mm -hmm. you know, you gotten into a lull and all of a sudden you're really confused about where you are and what's going on. Um, that's just like our, our babies now when they're four months and older. So if we put them down in that drowsy state as an older baby, they're likely going to wake up and parents are like, oh, they're almost there. And now I have to restart the whole process over again. That's because we've just interrupted their first stage of sleep. Um, and it makes it so much harder for them okay. to fall back to sleep. Yeah. Just like when you get that text and you're about to fall asleep, it makes it harder for you yeah, to get back to that same place. So for that newborn family of a two-month-old, drowsy but awake is a really great strategy to use. 
um, just to help to help your baby learn that they can actually close their eyes not being in mom and dad's arms but i do want to give that caveat that once we're at four months um putting our babies down drowsy is no longer helpful because it shakes them out of their sleep you are so wonderful i love hearing all of this you just you know your stuff and you make it seem so easy and just give confidence to us as parents of like saying hey you can do this we mm-hmm. you know you can have a plan through you so thank you for sharing all of your wisdom it has oh, been wonderful pleasure. yes before i wrap up the um, episode do you have anything else you want to add in all of it. I was thinking of this. I'm um, actually with that with that six year old and just um, older okay. kiddos, especially mm-hmm. one big piece um, that can interrupt sleep or even adults. I'm I'm no pro with adult sleep, but um, a really big piece that can interfere with falling asleep at night is screen time. Um, so for kiddos who are um, even even doing homework on the computer right up until you know they turn the computer off and go to bed. For parents who are doing work before bed or you know browsing on their phones or watching mm-hmm. TV. Um, that that blue light that technology emits actually interrupts our body's natural release of melatonin, which can make it really hard to fall asleep. So for um, yeah, parents of toddlers and older kiddos who are having a hard time falling asleep or even um, sometimes nightmares and night terrors can even be connected to screen time right before sleep. And um, or if you're an adult who has a hard time falling asleep at night, I would um, yeah check for that screen time because it is it is such a piece of our culture now that's just so normal, but um, we're really finding that technology actually gets in the way of our sleep. So I, um, my suggestion is that you try to keep technology pretty away for a good hour before bedtime to make sure that natural melatonin can really do its job to help us fall asleep. That is a good rule to follow. Just an hour before sleep, just shutting everything down and, mm-hmm. you know, like the old days and just letting, you know, letting the whole process happen without (laughs) being interrupted. Exactly. Go for a walk instead and let the, let the sunset cue your body instead of the nighttime screen on your phone. Awesome. Thank you. Well, before we go, I wanted to ask you, what is something that you are loving right now? It can be anything. I love this question so much. One thing that I am loving, and this will give you a little, um, window into my personality is Good. moved about a week and a half ago. So I am loving organizing our new apartment. Yes. Um, we we lived in a one bedroom up until this summer. And then we were kind of jumping around waiting for the right spot to open. And um, we're just in a two bedroom now. But um, being able to finally organize our space and figure out you know, where things go, what's going to go in this drawer. And you know, at the end of the night, my husband's like, okay, what do you want to do that's fun? And I'm like, let's hang pictures on the walls. And he's like, <laughs> no, I, I actually mean fun. And I'm like, no, but it's fun. Cause look, this has a home. The tissue box is right here. Didn't you know? <laughs> I love um, it. So my type A personality is loving that. But what I got to enjoy last night too, is my husband got a, a spring form pan for Christmas and he has been enjoying um, exploring with different cheesecakes. So oh my gosh, less by it. a man who cooks. And so I have been enjoying quite a few cheesecakes as he has been trying to figure out this new spring form pan. And I fully support his, uh, his adventures there. <laughs> yes. What has been your favorite one he's made so far? A chocolate Nutella. Oh my, that sounds delicious. It is divine. And he said, it's really easy. So I think I might be getting more of those. Too. Oh, good. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> well, thank you, Lauren. I have loved talking with you today. Thank you of so course. much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. 
Thanks, friends, for listening to today's episode. Be sure to follow along on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any exciting new episodes. 